Missoula Food Bank. You can find them on the web at www.missoulafoodbank.org or call 406-549-0543, now taking monetary donations to serve the Missoula Valley. feel thrilled beyond words to have this woman here. Her name's Patty Whipler. She is the founder of an organization called Hand in Hand Parenting, who offers so much resource to parents who in normal life, you know, parenting is for me one of the biggest challenges I've ever encountered. Um, she just offers so much smart resource. And um, I have, over the course of the eight years that I have been a parent, I have thoroughly enjoyed reading the resources available and just getting the thoughts that this organization has about kids and families and parents and just how incredibly good we all are and um, how smart and capable we all are of doing the tasks in front of us. And, and this, at this particular time, it's kind of a unique time because parents are kind of have a recipe in place uh, for them that's unique. Um, it's sort of like all the things that are hard about parenting are on steroids right now. Um, people are isolated um, for good reason. Um, people are doing the hard work of parenting alone. Um, I, for me, I've felt that my village has been taken from me and, and not entirely because we get to stay in touch with each other, but we don't get to be together. And that has been very hard. And so um, I'll let Patty talk a lot about, I'll let Patty talk about what she's offering, what her organization is offering, and, and just tell us a little bit more about hand-in-hand -hand parenting. Um, but I'm really happy to have you here and um, just go ahead and give us a rundown of what hand-in-hand -hand parenting is, where you live. I don't even know where you live. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just, just tell us some more about it. Okay. Okay. Hi, Jesse. Thank you very right. much for having me on. Yeah. I really feel honored to be with you and your efforts to support people with, you know, a, a way to be healthy and mm -hmm. a way to think about health. And, you know, that what, what, what parenting has to do with that is that it is the thing that we most want to do well in our lives. We just really, really, really want our children to their, their path in the world to be as smooth as possible. And we want to make it smooth. We want to be the ones to make it smooth. We're so dedicated to our children. And it is, it's a very difficult job in the best of times. And, yeah. you know, currently these are not the best of times. Um, right. The support, social support network, you know, has taken a hit. Um, our usual people that we see and people that we get to, you know, have fun with and play dates for our children and childcare, all of that is upside down and, and, and much of it has been taken from us for a while, which is necessary to keep us all healthy, but it, it ain't easy. Yeah. So, and, and, and then add some financial stress and job oh, stress on top yeah. of that. And, and it's, yeah. it's a perfect yeah. storm to make one of the most challenging jobs even more challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So we're facing a lot of the fears that a parent has to face at some time or another. It's like there's, there are things that rock our deepest fears almost always for every parent at some point in your parenting career. 
And right now we're scared that our children might get sick or terribly sick. We're scared that we might get sick or terribly sick. We're scared that our parents might get sick or terribly sick. We're scared that we, you know, where is our income going to come from? It's like it sort of, it's, it's the, a trifecta. It's hitting every single button we've got in the fear department. And um, somehow, mm-hmm. so we're trying to offer parents what we call listening tools, ways to help children function better and ways to approach the difficulties that they have and the difficulties that we have using, you know, uh, this stress release process as a means of getting beyond the reaction and into our, our, our ability to think again. When we listen to one another, um, the difficulties in behavior um, do lift if there is a good listener and if, if someone can actually get to the feelings that are sitting underneath the difficult behaviors. Um, so the insights are our children are good. They are good no matter what crazy, you know, totally frustrating behavior they cannot climb out of right now. They are good. There's nothing wrong with them. You know, you know, irrational, totally frustrating behaviors are sticking onto them like, like scabs from hurt. And they kind of cover up, you know, our children's nice, soft, nice, soft outer layer. Um, with hard stuff that makes life difficult and we can heal those hurts if we step in in a good way. So we are good. You know, we are trying our hardest all the time and there's nothing wrong with a parent who is, you know, out of their mind and reacting except that they've had way too little connection with someone who can listen and help them think things through without having to be doing it, you know, second by second, minute by minute in the middle of the fray. Like that's a hard way to learn anything because the pressures close down our ability to think and see the alternatives. Mm -hmm. So, so, so that's, so the first insight is we are good. Our children are good. The second insight is that when, when we're not acting with love and cooperation and firmness with one another around limits when necessary. When those things are not working well, we, ju- we just need more support in order to offload the bad feelings that get us worried and, and upset about one another. Third is this healing process involves one person pouring in caring and connection while the other person pours out the bad feelings inside. There's this nice, mm-hmm. Basically, it's a partnership, and um, one person listens, and the other person, you know, has a good cry, has a good laugh, talks all about it, um, you know, has a tantrum, any of those things, release the heat so that the thinking comes back um, better than it was before. And, um, And I think the last insight is that every parent deserves huge helpings of support. It's like parenting is not something that you're supposed to be able to do all by yourself in your house day after day. It just doesn't work well that way. It's kind of like brain surgery is not supposed to happen out in the woods with a jackknife. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's not the way brain surgery works and parenting a child doesn't work well without good tools and without support and without, um, a, a, 
a sort of a learning environment where you get to think about what just happened and think about what you wish you would have done or how things turned out so that you can actually build your skills over time. So hand-in-hand -hand parenting is here to provide a the you know the information about how to raise children without hurting them in the process without being moved to punishment or to sort of bribery, which is rewards. It's like my parents only had those two tools. There was a lot of love as they used them, but the tools really did, didn't help us. And um, that's really, these are the only two tools that most of us grow up knowing anything about, except maybe for trying to talk a child to death. And if a child can't think, you know, the five minute lecture about how you shouldn't, you know, bang your little brother on the head with a spoon, um, just does not go anywhere because the reason the child banged their little brother on the head with a spoon is that he was upset inside. He, his needs, his, his legitimate needs for connection, for a sense that someone's looking out for him, a sense that he is backed for play maybe. I mean, there's lots of legitimate needs children have and when their needs don't get met, their brain goes haywire and and you can't lecture a child out of that. You have to find ways to, to use the time you have with them to fill those, those legitimate um, and very um, sort of vital needs. And so we have five listening tools that we like to teach parents. And we've got lots of resources. We've got, you know, the self-guided video on helping children with aggression, helping children sleep through the night, sibling rivalry. Um, uh, what else do we have we got? Um, setting limits, so several, and then for parents of preteens, um, another one. And But the listening tools are, there's a parent-to-parent -parent listening tool, so we help parents set up someone to talk to, someone to do a core dump with, you know, as often as you want to, about what's going on, how is it, where are you, you know, frantic or scared or stuck or angry or whatever the heck you might be, um, you will be listened to by that other parent. And we ask parents not to advise. It's like, we don't need advice as parents. We just need somebody to help clear the tension so we can relax a little. And when we're more relaxed, um, our children are more relaxed because they're not getting signals of fear from us. That was when I first started doing listening partnerships. Um, I paired up with a dad who was in just a terrible, deeply frightening situation in his family. Um, he was an engineer. He'd never had contact with babies. He had a six month old baby who had Down syndrome. And his wife walked out the door and said she was never coming back. Oh my gosh. And he had no, he was, he was almost literally petrified. And, um, was just, you know, looked gray and could bear, he just, he could not smile. And, you know, somehow we got, you know, we got paired up. I started listening to him. He started listening to me. For me on my side, within three weeks of being listened to once a week, my children started sleeping through the night. Mm -hmm. I didn't even try to make them sleep through the night. Right. It just happened because I was a more relaxed person. Yeah. What are the parameters? in a listening partnership. Okay. People get started in lots of different ways. Sometimes they have a friend who knows hand in hand and they're just, you know, 
talking to the friend and all of a sudden, you know, lots is pouring out and they don't know why. And then, you know, kind of like what happened to me. Um, if people come to our website, well, right now, actually, because the pandemic um, situation is so hard on parents yeah. in, in very, um, very real, undeniable and um, ways that we, we can't fix right now. Um, we, we're offering a, a sort of a support system. We're offering a lifeline for free. Mm-hmm. So if parents want to go to handinhandparenting.org forward slash parents together, um, you'll come to a site that says, um, if you, you know, give us your email address so we can be in touch and you can always, you know, you can always get off the, our email list if you want later. But, and then you'll get a download of one of the a little booklet describing a listening tool um, called Special Time, which I'll talk about in a little bit probably. Um, and you'll also get a booklet on how to do a listening partnership. And the, you know, once you, once you sign up, you'll go to a page that has our guidelines for listening, which are very, very simple. And so you'll see a graphic of our guidelines for listening, which is all you have to do in order to join, just look at that graphic, sort of get the idea of no advice, no advice, no advice, listen and think the best of the, any parent who's talking. And then you can join one of, we put together 90 listening groups over four weeks. And the phone number to get into one of these listening groups and the time that it is and who it's led by and what language it's in, because we are international. So we've got listening groups in Arabic and Hebrew and um, German and Spanish and Romanian. And I can't remember what other languages. I think there's more French. Um, so you can get into any listening group at any time, as many listening groups as you want to. And there will be a trained person who is a parent who we've who spent a year training with us in order to lead a parent support group well. And that person is going through all the same things that the rest of us are going through, but they have a support network. So it's, you know, they're figuring things out and it's just an hour. And if there's not too many people, everybody gets listened to. We just split the time. You say who your first name and where you're from. It's totally anonymous. You don't have to worry about people chatting to your neighbors about what you said because the other main rule is confidentiality. We, we just, we can't enforce it, but we ask people not to mention anything they heard to anybody else. Um, just be in the group, listen, learn, say what you need to say, use it any way you want. Um, and then a quick little appreciation at the end. And um, it, it is, I don't know, it's something that we don't, know in a way it's a kind of an emotional cleansing process or an mm-hmm. emotional relief action basically when you get parents together and each person has a chance to talk the commonalities are so striking and the fact that people can talk frankly about how they feel difficult moments happen to the best of us no matter how what tools we have or what wonderful kids we've got. As your organization has been working with people through the coronavirus, what is a unifying, what is one of the unifying themes that you see coming up for parents? You know, in general, whatever the stresses were before the pandemic hit, Mm -hmm. 
they've just you know exponentially risen so if you were worried about job security before the virus hit you are you know your worries there and the reality of the situation there is more tenuous than it was most likely and if your children were having a rough time with one another they are now they're having a rough time with one another all day long rather than being in separate classrooms at school or daycare and yeah. you're having to witness it all and so basically it, it just has intensified and if if you and your partner are having a rough time because of the kinds of things that you know any two adults have going on between them when they're trying to do such a hard job you know 24 7 um that intensifies too so it, there isn't a particular theme but i think what one of the things that is interesting there's an interesting phenomenon with children where the more the parents are around and available meaning home even if they have to work the safer it feels to children to let their feelings roll and um and boy do they so if your children were having maybe one tantrum you know every three days before you both you know you and whoever else is in your household we're now sheltering at home. Uh, now it's like five tantrums a day because your child has held feelings there and your presence, even if you're trying to work, makes it that there's some kind of an inner instinct to heal and the presence of adults who love you, even if at the moment they are really stressed, signals that system okay it's time to unload these stresses you know i've been upset about the existence of my younger sibling ever since they came home and now is the time to show you how upset i am and it's not conscious children are not trying to push our buttons it's just that i don't know i think the human we we came from you know small groups that got together and spent the evening around the fire you know millions of years ago and that feels safe. And so the more people that are kind of quote around the fire at, you know, during the day, um, the safer it feels and the more children feel compelled to show us the feelings they want to heal from. So there's nothing wrong with your child if all of a sudden there's, there's so many emotional explosions. The way you can get through it is by listening longer, not trying to give any advice, just go, yeah, you're right. He did step on your toy. Yeah, I see the broken piece. I'm so sorry. I don't mm -hmm. think he meant to break your airplane. You know, and and let your child grieve the loss of the whole airplane. And don't say, well, I have some glue. You know, I think we can glue it. And then if we paint it, you won't be able to even see the crack. Da, 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 da. I mean, don't try to solve it. Emotions are not a solvable problem. Mm -hmm. You can melt them by allowing them to roll and by pouring in your caring and your patience while the child pours out all of the tension, the grief or the frustration or the fear. And you just also need to know one other thing that will be helpful while families are so close together all day, every day, is that when children are working on something very deep that happened early in their lives that really really affected how they feel in the world um, they may need to cry for a very long time about a very small thing you know mm -hmm. that the egg is too runny 
no, I won't eat this egg. And if you just go, well, sweetie, I'm not going to make you another egg. You know, take a look at it. And they burst into tears. They might cry about the imperfect egg for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And you just have to know that the first three minutes might be about the egg. But if they keep crying, they're reaching in to heal all of the imperfections associated with having been stuck in the neonatal intensive care for three days before they could get into your arms right. or, you know, the, the, all of the yelling and back and forth that they heard when they were infants and they were really hard things going on in your environment that they were exposed to. It's like there, there are in general, no, no child makes it through infancy without some difficult things happening and, without being frightened by those things because they're so small and they know so little. So the, the tiny little pretexts that bring huge amounts of feelings, if you can listen all the way through, yeah, well, I know the egg is getting cold, but I'm still not going to fix it, sweetheart. I really want to be with you instead. You know, like three quarters of an hour later, the egg is like all solidified there. It's never any part anymore. And they finally, you know, kind of come out of it. And all of a sudden, their thinking mind turns on, and the tragedy is over, and they don't even remember it in a sense. They look like they don't remember it, and they just go, you know, maybe I'll just have cereal. Is that okay? Yeah. Can I have cereal? You mm -hmm. go, okay. Even though you, if while they were crying, you would have suggested cereal, and that would have made them cry harder about their runny egg. Um, all of a sudden, a world of possibilities opens up, because their mind is finally freed of the, just the, the jam that all of those feelings um, created. Right, so. right. And I think, you know, this, this, is, this is about babies and toddlers and, and preteens and teenagers too. And it just all comes to the surface in different ways at different ages. Yeah. And, but it's all relevant in terms of holding space out there for a person that we, you know, are in close proximity with for an undetermined amount of time. When we do constructively set time aside, when those feelings come up and, and we can't always do it in the moment and sometimes no, we we're busy and, and it's just not possible. And sometimes my children have taken time to cry and I have been busy and I, will say, I am sorry, I can't be right there with you listening, but I still hear you and I'm still listening and I'm still paying attention to you, even if I can't be right next to you and holding you close and, and doing all the things I would normally do. Um, but I think the other thing I wanted to say was that when you do take time to constructively listen to your child, um, the whole, everything else goes better. Like you're not spending the whole day grinding out this impossible behavior and trying to constantly kind of get your child to submiss to your request or that you're trying to kind of train them like you would train a dog or something like mm -hmm. that like yeah it, it dissolves the power struggles you know it does and well, at least yeah and it just really kind of turns into a relationship that's that that you really would like to have with your kids i mean i think that's the thing like i work with parents all the time and and um, we, you know, are talking about lifestyle stuff and these, these things that we get on, these dregs on our energy um, with our kids where we get into these snags and we're stuck and we're in this power struggle. 
it is really remarkable when a parent gets a chance to sit down and be listened to and then turn around and be have this ability to listen to their children. Um, those power struggles are, are not there and the energy that it takes to be in that power struggle is gone. So your body is able to repair and restore and get out of just being in hyper adrenal mode. Yeah, I wanna tell a little story just to give parents a picture of what's possible because um, it's something that we don't see very often. But when you treat a child, when you do listen to a child's deep feelings, at least some of the time, you just you just drop everything and, and let them unload and don't don't take it personally. Um, they then can do this with others. So one of our instructors had a seven-year-old and a one and a half-year-old, or maybe fourteen-month-old. She's driving down the freeway. It's twenty minutes till home. It's it's you know it's rush hour. They're you know trying to get there. And the little one starts wailing in the back seat, and his brother is there next to him in the, you know, strapped in also. And she starts trying to talk to the baby, you know, Jack, we're gonna be home in 20 minutes. I'm sorry it's hard, I'm right here. Mm -hmm. And baby just, you know, cries harder because when parents are supportive, the feelings come out more intense, more intensely, and, and the healing process works better, really. Um, and, and after a minute or two, her older son goes, mom, I'll take care of Jack. And then he turns to his brother, puts his, you know, holds his brother's hand and says, Jack, I'm right here. Take a look. I'm with you, Jack. I'll be with you till we get home. And he just starts talking so sweetly, you know, and just, you know, re reassuring his brother and not trying to stop him, but just, I'm right here. You're not alone. You know, and it's like just giving these beautiful little messages to his little brother. And of course, the little brother kept crying, but yeah, you know, he, he, his heart, I don't know, it's just children know what to do when we, when we listen to their feelings, then they then can listen to others. And what we found is that children treated in this way wind up being um, leaders in their classes, mm -hmm. not, in, not in a weird way, not like I'm, I'm going to tell everybody Taking what charge, to do. Yeah. yeah. But just kind of the, you know, the one that other kids go to if something hard happens, the one that makes friends with all different kinds of kids, the one that can come up and talk to the teacher about, you know, I think Tommy over there, um, I think he's having a little bit of a hard time. You know, I wonder, maybe I'm going to try to, you know, play with him outside and see if that helps. You know, it's just like coming out of nowhere. You know, I, I think I know what to do. I think I can connect. I will help. Yeah. yeah, and I think that given our current political situation, we all recognize the need for that sort of leadership to be happening now. And I think when we think about what matters when it comes to raising kids, uh, that's one of the things that's the forefront on my mind is that um, not necessarily that my kids are going to be the best or the smartest or you know the the most highly performing academic kids in the class it's that you know how do they relate to other people what are their social and emotional skills and 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 how are they how how resilient are they in the face of adversity and um what sort of examples are they setting as people and yeah. um so that's a really beautiful story and really really cool to hear what would you offer to people who are reluctant to use this? Oh, yeah. Okay. And 
And what we usually do is we put kids in timeout. We might give them a SWAT. We might tell them you don't get to, you know, your screen time is, you know, less than it was. Um, or just otherwise but, throw shame in their direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, you know, how, you know, what kind of a big brother or big sister are you? And all of that hurts children. And in general, it doesn't, it might stop the behavior for 20 minutes or two hours. But the child's brain still misfires under conditions of not feeling very connected. And so you are running around playing whack-a-mole with your child's behavior. Yeah. And when you find yourself playing whack-a-mole, you know, they're disappointed with this. They're disappointed with that. They're whining about this. They're whining about that. You know, they're squirrely with their siblings about this. They're squirrely with their siblings about that. And it's going on day after day. The reason is that they are loaded with feelings and just dying to unload those feelings so they can think again. They don't like being that way. They don't like any of those behaviors and they don't know why they are that way. So you ask them, why did you do that? You know, well, I don't know. And it's true, they don't know. It leapt out of them because mm -hmm. it was based in stress and the stress is not them. They didn't decide mm -hmm. to be stressed and they didn't decide to do that awful thing. It just happened because you know their system is all clogged up with upset and so you know it's worth just trying it once so i'll tell you the first one of the first times i tried listening was when um, my son who was not quite three had really bad pink eye in both eyes mm -hmm. and his eyes were all crusty and i took him to the pediatrician and the pediatrician says here put these drops in his eyes three times a day for the next five days and i just go oh brother that's not gonna work and because i just knew that my son was gonna feel threatened by getting drops in his eyes and you know i knew how scared he was going to be and i just thought for it took me a couple hours, it's like, how am I gonna get this kid to have drops in his eyes? You know, I think I'm gonna to have to lay him down on the bed, pin his arms down, I'll sit on top of him, pin his arms down under my knees, you know, pry his eyelids open and put the drops in. And all of that is gonna make him hate me. It's gonna make him scared of me. It's gonna ruin our relationship. If I have to do this three times a day for five days, that's 15 traumas, you know, that I am causing. That yeah. I am forcing. It's like, no, I don't want to do this. But he had to have the medicine. So I just went, well, huh, crying is working for me. It's really helping me, you know, get along better in the world. So so I just showed him the bottle and I said, I have to put drops in this bottle in your eyes because your eyes are infected. And he wailed. We were on the bed. The baby was sleeping, thank God. This is like one of the best naps my lambda son ever took. <laughs> I'm so grateful to him for staying asleep. And I won't go into the blow-by-blow -blow report. It's in a book that I've written. But um, anyway, after about 40 minutes of just showing him the bottle and him crying, and showing him the bottle and him crying, and showing him how the drops come out of the dropper and him crying really hard, I mean, just imagining he had, to, he, he had just, you know, made him imagine what this was going to be like. And from the imagining, he worked on all of the feelings. And, you know, 40 minutes later, he says, can I put the drops in my eye? And I was like flabbergasted. It's like, a three, you're, you're not even three years old. But I couldn't think of a reason why not to let him try. So I just went, sure, you know, but if you, you know, if they don't land in your eyes, then I'll have to do it. Okay. Okay. So he lies down and I just, you know, put, you know, 
I, I position the dropper and then he squeezes the button and squeezes the, the bulb and drops go in his eye and he blinks and says, okay, you gotta do the other one now, that was a good shot. And he squeezes, you know, squeezes the bulb again and jumps up and goes running off to play as if nothing had ever happened. Yeah. And then all of the times I put drops in his eyes, he was just, okay, lays down, you know, opens his eyes, I put the drops in, blinks his eyes and off he goes. There was not one shred of fear left. Now that saved me heartache. It saved me five days of worry. It saved me five days of dread. It saved him 15 traumas with me overpowering him and being scared, scared, scared. It, you know, and so it's 40 minutes. That is an investment, but boy, what you get back is a happy kid who's not so afraid anymore of medical procedures. Like, and it transfers to other things. Yeah, so, I was gonna say that's probably had a much more cooperative experience with him across the board. Yep. Um, because he got to work on something that was scary for him. Yeah. It, yeah. So that's wonderful. Yeah. So that, that's. I mean, you know, all I can say is we are experimenters as parents, and we experiment yeah. over and over and over again with rewards and punishments, and the the experiments fail. Yeah. But we don't know what else to do. <clears throat> they, they work for a short time and then it rubs off. The star chart on the refrigerator works for three days and then nobody remembers it. And, you know, the kids are you know, still doing the crazy thing they do or not doing the chores that you ask them to do. And, and if that's what's... So there are listening tools. There are four of them. And these four listening tools help children think because they either provide connection, which allows better thinking, or they provide the opportunity for offloading feelings in laughter and and crying and tantrums and and so you just so stay listening, staying with a kid who's really really upset and not advising or fixing anything, you know, unless the thorn needs to be pulled out of their skin, in which case, of course, you do that. But mm -hmm. um, yep. these these tools are really really helpful. So if your children are getting into it with each other over and over and over again at home. Just pick one after there's been an altercation and say, I'm sorry, I didn't get here sooner, sweetheart. You know, your sister really does love you. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry she lost it right there. Yeah. And just let them, let them cry and recover, cry and recover, cry and recover. And, um, you know, you do this with several siblings, you know, once a day somebody gets listened to, um, things begin to smooth out really nicely. Um, just to jump to a different question I wanted to make sure I covered with you is how is this different than therapy? What, what are the ways this is like therapy? How is this different than therapy? What do you have to offer? For grownups? Um, For grownups. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I don't know. I've never, I, I've had maybe one session with a therapist in my life, mm -hmm. so I, mm -hmm. I'm not real familiar with therapy. Um, what it is, in therapy, one person is the trained listener and they've gone to school for ages and they're supposed to know how to help you. And they, they consider it their job to help you. And then you come in with whatever you come in with and then you find out, you know, how, whether they can or how they do help. But it's always them standing apart from you. Like they don't, and what the listening partnership is, nobody stands apart. I help you and then you turn around and help me. And I begin to trust you and you turn around and begin to trust me. And I don't advise you and you don't advise me. 
I believe that you can think this through anything. It might take you a while, but I believe in your intelligence and I believe in your resilience and I'm here for you to sort through whatever you want. And then you offer me that same kind of confidence and, and um, you know, just deep respect. And there is something about it going back and forth that people who come into Hand in Hand and use a listening partnership after years and years of therapy, many people say, I'm getting farther. I, I'm, my life is changing in good ways faster than it ever did in therapy because you are, you are not the one who's not in power. It's like you get to use your power as a healer you get to strengthen your power as a person who can help and the other person does the same. So, you know, both people are benefiting and both people are learning in both roles. And I think there's something, what we find is that people who have listening partnerships, even just one listening partnership a week, tend to move towards more effective leadership at work. They tend mm. to get promotions they tend to be able to use their creativity more fully. They tend to solve problems better with groups of people that they didn't really even intend to help, but there they are and they just happen to do the right thing and things go better. Um, so the benefits spread are in, in farther than the family in general. Great, thanks for that. Um, sure. The other thing I just wanna get, you know, as we're, uh, a world that's moving through this pandemic, um, something you want to offer up to parents who are parenting babies right now? Well, um, at, at Hand in Hand, we have a set of podcasts that talk mm -hmm. about how to use listening with infants. There are 23 or 24 of them. Um, some, are, some are meant for fathers and grandfathers, mm. and the rest are meant for both parents. Um, but I figured I'd put a little attention on fathers there, since around infant care, fathers really get ne neglected. You know, yeah. we're really behind, behind the times there yeah. in terms of letting fathers use their full power to love and their full power to support in, an, in a relationship with an infant. Um, so... So those are, you, you, if you go to our website and you just, in the search window, just type new parent podcasts, um, those say all the things that I would say right now. Um, basically, when, we're, when we feel stressed, our babies feel it. Our babies, yeah. our, our stresses communicate to our infants almost instantaneously. So one mm -hmm. of the main things you can do is to find someone to listen to you, especially if you're scared or overwhelmed or or not feeling like the feelings you're having about your baby are quote the right ones. It's like, there's no wrong feeling to have, but lots of parents don't, you know, they feel like I shouldn't be feeling this way. And in general, it just means that I need to be listened to, you know, the feelings are getting squirrely and they're making us uncomfortable and we yeah. need to find someone to tell them to. Yeah. Yeah. So that's for babies, for toddlers. Um, I, we have a really good book on tantrums. One of the things that toddlers do is have tantrums frequently. And it is because <laughs> tantrums are part of the learning process. Yeah. They are a very important, a key, they play a key role in helping toddlers keep on learning and helping them not give up on gaining skills that they want to gain. 
So our, our booklet on tantrums is really short. Um, it's, it's on our website, just, you know, and there are lots of articles there too. So you can get free articles. The booklet itself costs, I don't know, the PDF costs a small amount of money. Um, but I'll, I'll just tell a story about toddlers. So I have one of our instructors had a little girl who was just two and she had buckle shoes that she was very proud of. And she really, every time she had to put on her buckle shoes, she would just cry and cry and cry. She would try to work the buckle and she couldn't do it. And she would just throw herself into a tantrum, just, you know, kick and throw herself back. And, and her mom noticed that trying to help, oh, here, sweetie, I'll help you with the buckle, made her daughter way more frustrated. It just intensified the whole tantrum. And her daughter would go, no, 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 and push her, push her mommy's hand away. But every time she herself tried to put the buckle on, she would have more of a tantrum. And after about three days, you know, this mom who knows about this process just went, well, I think I'm going to stop trying to help her and just support her. Mm -hmm. She wants to learn to do this herself, and me helping doesn't let her try. So she just decided, okay, I'm going to listen to her every time she tries to put her buckle shoes on. And there were several more tantrums. And then she finally had done the number of experiments she needed to do and got how to work the buckle. And, you know, the tantrums were over. It just basically understanding that children need to tantrum in order to return to trying again after their first three tries didn't go well. They need to get the frustration out. Then they can go back and try it again. Or they can go, other shoes, please. No, <laughs> give up for the day. Put on their lace shoes. You now walk out to the park and have a good time, and then go back to working on the buckle shoes tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that's one little tidbit for parents of toddlers. Um, let's see, children older than toddlers. I think parents. One of the really hard things about the COVID situation is that all of a sudden we are being expected not only to do our job with our children crawling down our backs all the time mm -hmm. and whining and having trouble every 10 minutes, you know, um, that we have to, are expected to go fix. But we also now are supposed to be homeschooling them and right. their assignments and, you know, and I think that if we want our children to continue to love to learn, which children naturally do, mm -hmm. Um, we we need to not tackle the whole getting our kids to do homework project or getting our kids to do schoolwork project like it is a project. We we kind of have to work on our stresses enough that we can say, oh, what what are you we learning about math today? Oh wow, look at that! Oh, it's going to be really hard numbers in addition, <laughs> huh? You know. And just, I don't know, just go into it with wonder and enthusiasm. And when they say, I don't want to do it, and try 10 minutes of special time, that's or five minutes of special time. Special time is a very powerful tool for helping children feel connected. And when they feel connected, they generally can feel hopeful again about getting their homework done or, you know, so five minutes where you say, I'll do whatever you want to do. What do you want to do? Let's forget this homework. Um, let's, let's, let's have fun. You decide and you set the timer and you, you know, you pay attention to them and, you know, hopefully the other kids don't, if the other children start crawling down your back, then maybe you just put them on your back and you just go, you know what, 
I'm with your brother right now, but hang on. I'll just, you know, carry you wherever he takes us. We're going to. Um, and when it's over, you give your child a big hug and you say that, thank you so much. Let's, let's go back and I think it's, you know, now's the time to get the homework done. And if they want to cry about the disappointment of special time ending, that cry will help them be, ease, be more confident as they do approach their homework. So it's worth listening there. Usually, oftentimes one listening tool leads to the use of the next one, but they're, they're cleaning out their pipes so they can think and so they can cooperate and so they can like their life the way it is. And um, so, yeah. And they do. I mean, I think every, every day that my kids have woken up so far um, since we've been in this weird quarantine situation or the self you know, sheltering in place situation, um, they wake up every day, no matter what the day was like before with this fresh sense of hope about how this day is going to go. And, uh, I might not always be feeling that way, but they feel that way. <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's pretty cool that, you know, this, this, what you're, what you're saying here is, is a way to help kind of preserve that sense of hopefulness and enthusiasm about what we're doing. And I have been offering you know, I have been saying to my clients and we're actually getting really sweet, good direction from the superintendent of public schools here is, and, and he's saying that if this, if, if homeschooling is causing any stress or making this unpleasant, stop, take a break. And then I think your- I would say that too. I would definitely yeah. say that too. Yeah. And then the World Health Organization just this morning put out something just, I mean, right? Like brilliant about- about spending time with your kids during this time, that that's more important than anything that we could possibly be doing. And yeah. what I've been offering to my clients who are, you know, I just don't, I only have adult clients, but is that this is not the time to focus on productivity at work. Yeah. It just really isn't. And I think people naturally feel that inclination, but we get pulled to do that because there are still employers that are expecting us to keep moving forward like nothing happened and and yeah and in general those employers are probably people who forget what it's like to have kids i mean i don't know sometimes or forget what it's like to be a human oh my goodness uh, this is, yeah. I, I, anyways another subject different podcast um, <laughs> but uh and so we talked about babies toddlers school-age children what about preteens um preteens need connection as much as little ones do but because there are disappointments about times when you haven't been able to be there, oftentimes they can't show that they want to be connected with us, but it's really important not to take that personally and to offer little bits of connection in ways that, um, that I don't know, you kind of have to let it seep in. So if you offered your 13-year-old special time and they rolled their eyes and go, who wants to spend time with you? <laughs> that's, that's just because they're afraid to open up their hearts and hope that it will be a good time. You know, it's just, it's basically just an accumulation of hard times that they haven't been able to tell anybody about and not your fault, not their fault. It just is a boulder in the road. And so um, we have a booklet called Supporting Adolescents. Mm. At hand in hand, it's a little $7 booklet, and it talks about how to think about what our preteens are going through, what their social environment is like, 
what their the inner challenge of trying to remake yourself as a person who is going to be an adult because little kids are not worried about what's going to happen next but you know there is a pruning of the of all the neural connections in a child's mind that begins to happen um, right around puberty little before little after that is a very intense internal process and it preoccupies children's attention sometimes so if you're preteen is spacey or not really connecting with you easily, um, we recommend what we call unannounced special time where you, you just go in and you take a little magazine or, you know, some little mending project that you have and you just kind of go in their room and, and there they are, you know, on their screen playing games and just amusing themselves because they, they're not sure they're going to get anything fun happening outside their room. So there you are, and you just sit there for 20 seconds. Hey, can I come in and sit on your bed for a little while? It's kind of, it's warmer in here than out there. And then you look like you're paying attention to this little thing you're doing. Nothing very challenging. But where your mind actually goes is you just put your attention on your child. And you, you just, it's kind of like fishing. It's mm -hmm. kind of like you put your attention out there, and your attention is the bait. But the wary fish who's had many difficult experiences in their life is going to swim by that thing, you know, 30 times, going to eye it this way and eye it that way and just go, no, nope, I don't think that's for me. You know, and you might have to put your line in the water, you know, five days before your child actually says anything to you. Mm -hmm. But when they do, that's the next test. You have to be careful to say, you know, Oh, is that the reason you're getting a C minus in math is because you don't like your teacher? Oh my gosh. Well, maybe I'll see if, you know, when you get back to school, you can change classes. It's like, you have to not jump and solve the problem. You have to go, Hmm. No. And you just let them be in charge of the relationship. You let them be in charge of the conversation. You're really trying to pay attention, not have an agenda, not, I'm going to get my kid to talk to me because I need to know what's going on because maybe they're doing drugs. So you have to, if, if you're worried about them doing drugs, you have to take that worry to your listening partner so you can be more relaxed and just let them build, build in a way, build a new relationship, you know, build a relationship where they get to drive it. And um, that over time, that strategy really does build trust. So. And, yeah, and I think that parents of teenagers really need the reminder that those teenagers really do, uh, really, really do want to have a relationship with their parents and that they really need them in there with them. Um, I think because of the way teenagers are capable of, you know, they've got a big, big vocabulary and they're bigger in size and they look more like peers to, to us than, than our, you know, very young children do it's easy for parents to forget how significant they are in the lives of their teenagers. And I yeah. just can't emphasize enough how much that matters that parents crawl through that barbed wire that's put out before them and, um, and get in there with their teens, no matter how many times they have to try, it really does matter. And, and, and observing what lets your teen laugh you know, it's just mm -hmm. like, you know, so I don't know, just what, whatever tickles their fancy, whatever lets them laugh, 
you know, you want to try to keep that moment going as best you can. So if the family's playing Pictionary and that really lets them laugh, then you kind of want to bring out Pictionary, you know, once a week, not just once every six months. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes kids can really laugh hard when, you, when the family's playing with the dog. And if that's what's, if that was what lets them laugh, then just get those games going with the dog, you know, and just either admire your child while they play with the dog and just get in and, you know, just let them beam at them. It's like, basically with teenagers, I think our worries keep us from beaming at our children. And if we don't beam at them, sometimes they feel like there's something wrong with them. And that's yeah. not a happy feeling. Yeah. So just trying to, I don't know, sometimes that one of the best things that a parent can do with a listening partnership is to go back and talk about the beginning of their relationship with their child. It's like, were they happy to be pregnant? You know, mm -hmm. were they scared? You know, what were the thoughts they had before they had their baby? How did the birth go? Did the doctor and the nurses treat them respectfully? You know, were they supported at home? What hard happened when the baby was an infant? It's like oftentimes the wrinkles in our relationships with our children really began way back early. And then, and because no one listened to us, we couldn't kind of get out of feeling burdened by parenting or lost in parenting or like we hadn't we hadn't done right by our child because of hard things that happened and and if we're feeling bad about ourselves then that really gets in the way of having fun and and connecting with our children so yeah yeah and i think there's a way that that adolescents and or yeah preteens and teenagers it's almost like the things that were unresolved um during their toddlerhood kind of come back in a way um yeah. and so i have clients who have teenagers and, and think about them a lot and listen to them a lot talk about what that's like so um uh great that's awesome information every every resource that you have available i'm going to put in the notes here for people so at the end of this episode um, they can go in and take a look at those notes and all the literature that you have available um, will be available to them in the yeah, notes. Actually, I have, a, I have a resource sheet with all kinds of links to awesome. the different stuff that we have at Hand in Hand for, for parents. We really, I mean, we found it Hand in Hand because parenting is really difficult and I just did not want parents to have as difficult a time as I had when I, my kids were little just want to make the path easier. And so we've built a whole organization to try to do that. And yeah. what a, what a societal, like, I mean, what a great thing for society, what a great way to change the world and working with young people and, and their families and putting the trust back into the parents. Um, yeah. I just think it's so great and so necessary right now. And is there anything else that you want to offer up to people listening out there? Well, I just want to say that it, 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 parents are, nobody loves like parents. Mm -hmm. Nobody persists like parents. Nobody kind of goes to the ends of the earth to try to figure out how to have a good life with their children like parents do. And so I just want to thank parents for all that they're doing. It's like, I know the thanks is, is it's not plentiful right now. Um, and the pressures are many, but um, thank you for loving as deeply as you do and for working as hard as you're working and, and I just now hope that you can find a way to experiment, reach out for a little bit of support for yourself so that it's not such a difficult road. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, Patty. Thanks so much for taking the time to sit here with me and answer all my questions and 
share, pleasure. share your awesome organization with people who are in this crazy unprecedented time together. Well, thank you for really working hard to, to help people get the resources they need to lead a healthy life. Um, well, thanks. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, Patty, we'll, we'll see you, I don't know, another time, okay. another Ask next podcast. If you want to talk about any particular thing about parenting, I'd love to come back. Thanks. That would be awesome. Thanks, Patty. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.